0: Hey everybody, this is Big Sean, and welcome to episode 9 of Dudes of Kung Fu. In this episode, we have Dr. Mark Chang, who is very well known in the martial arts community, and he, man, dropped some bombs of knowledge on us this this week. We spoke about uh, Jeet Kune Do, Wing Chun, Kung Fu in general, physical fitness, street awareness, everything you could possibly think about when it comes to martial arts. And uh, I have to say has to be one of our best episodes ever. Um, and just as a second little uh, reminder to you guys, you'll hear us talk about it during the episode. We really hope you guys can join us next week at um, Alex's School, City Wing Chun. And um, we're having our live podcast where you can come and be in the audience or listen on YouTube or Facebook Live. But if you want to join us in the audience, it's Saturday, Um We'll get there at 3.30, it's ten twenty-four Sixth 6th Avenue on the 4th floor at City Wing Chun. And um, we're going to have prizes and I'm sure you'll have a great time. So, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Dudes of Kung Fu. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 9 of... Dudes of Kung Fu. Out fucking standing. Great job on that there, Alex. I uh, hope everybody's doing well and having a good week. Sorry, this podcast is a little delayed this week. We, um, It was all my fault. I fucked up and trusted Alex. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, sorry, I was with my
1: idol. You said your idol is David Peterson, and my idol is like the Toad or something. So uh, I spent uh, a few days hanging out with uh, Lo Mong from Shaw Brothers fame, the, the legend from Five Deadly Venoms. So uh, I hope you apologize. I hope you guys
0: will forgive me for making this podcast a little bit late. Well, I have a feeling this podcast is going to be absolutely worth it because we have a surprise guest for you guys. That's right. We have the
1: amazing Dr. Mark Chang. Uh, We're very, very happy to have him on this podcast. Uh, Doc, uh, um, uh, why don't you say hi? Hey, everyone. How's it going? Uh, That's enough. (laughs) (laughs) So so for those of you who don't know, uh, Dr. Mark Chang is uh, really – an amazing individual. He's somebody that I've looked up to for a very long time. I remember uh, back in the 90s uh, reading Inside Kung Fu magazine and seeing the ad for his uh, combat Tai Chi videos and I was always very intrigued because it was one of the uh, uh, first times I had ever seen anybody address, um, at least in video format, um, the combat applications of Tai Chi. And, and a few years ago I found uh, uh, Dr. Mark Chang on Facebook and, and befriended him and we became friends and we, we, we met a few times and, and... And I, um, I consider myself very fortunate uh, to uh, count Doc as one of my very close friends and, 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 and brothers, really. Uh, and I use that, that term only with a you know, select few people. And uh, I'm super, super happy to have him on this podcast today.
2: Truly my honor.
0: This is really cool. So, yeah, Alex had um, told me earlier in the week we're going to have Dr. Chang on. I heard the name. Not going to lie. Wasn't sure who the hell he was. But I said, it sounds familiar. I know who he is. And I'm literally sitting there watching TV. And I'm going through the channels. And I say holy shit, that's got to be the guy.
1: <laughs> you saw the Tai Chiang infomercial, And right?
0: I told it saw so the Tai Chiang infomercial. And I was like, holy shit. So I called my family around. I'm like, hey, guys, this is the guy that's going to be on the podcast next week, you know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> With much shorter hair on the infomercial, though.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. I'm looking at you now. It's That's right. He looks a little shit, bit different. <laughs> no, he's like the wandering Taoist now. It's so cool. I'm envious. Oh, man. So I wanted to... Uh, Last week when we spoke, I uh, said that I was putting up the website. Well, the website's up for for, for myself here, seanmadigan.com. If you guys can go check it out. There's still more stuff to be added. But um, it's my my, my my son did it, and he's doing a damn good job on it. We're gonna put more and more information, but I promise you, speedo picks within the next couple of weeks. <laughs> and uh, things are going. On. What do you got going on in your life there, Alex? Other than meeting toads and shit? And like
1: other than meeting the toad? Um, yeah. Well, before uh, you know, before we start uh, getting into it with Doc, I just wanted to say something really quick uh, about my event at the Museum of the Moving Image a couple. Oh yeah, ago.
0: right. How did that go? Yeah.
1: Uh, it. it it went uh, far beyond expectations. So uh, as I mentioned, it was sold out. Um, the crowd loved it. So I, I did uh, the one thing that most Wing Chun people, in my opinion, are incapable of doing. I, I made sure that there was no stick up my ass when I was talking about Wing Chun. And uh, I, I you know, made it funny that we showed clips. And, and I told some um, you know great stories. I showed the trailer to my uh Yip Man documentary. And the audience loved it. In fact, the museum... Um, asked me if I would consider doing the show um, on the road, like go to different cities and stuff to, uh, to talk about um, the real Yip Man. So um, wow. I, don't, I don't know if I have time for that, but it, it's definitely cool that they responded so well to it that they uh, uh, would consider that. And, and it definitely, um, there seems to be a lot of interest in the topic. So uh, as far as the documentary is concerned, I'm,
0: I'm very excited about uh, how everything is uh, turning out that's awesome and before we even get started we have one announcement that we want to make sure that we uh, talk about real quick saturday uh july 23rd this upcoming saturday we are going to have our live podcast and we that's like right. we want people to join us at alex's school which is 1024 6th avenue um alex are we are doing it on the fourth floor or the fifth floor uh, <laughs> uh, the Wi-Fi. Put I mean, this way, wif- am I going to be dying on the fourth floor, or am I going to be dying on the fifth floor? <laughs> yeah, the the Wi-Fi
1: is better on the fourth floor, so we'll probably do it on the fourth floor.
0: <laughs> okay, that was my way of telling. You. We are going to be doing it on the fourth floor, Alex. <laughs> yes, for so sure. if for you sure. guys can get there like at three thirty, we'll probably start at four uh, o'clock on a, on the nose. Yep. And on the on the podcast, we're also on Facebook. We'll put a link to the um, to the YouTube channel that you can watch it live all, all over the world as well. Cause that's, that's what you want to do on a Saturday afternoon is watching <laughs> me live. I'll have to go get my hair did just for the occasion. You're like you weren't gonna do your freaking hair. You do you spend more time on your hair than my wife does. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, don't be
1: hating. Don't be hating.
0: No, it's not hating. It's just it's not liable if it's fucking accurate. You know what I mean? Dude? <laughs> <It's> all, <laughs> so we, we got a question, and I think it's a really damn good question and Okay. i think i think the three of us can spend some time on it. i think it could be a nice little segment for us okay um this gentleman asked us a question once before and i fucked up his name then i'll do it again mr john rubin arrington mm-hmm. wrote i have been told by instructors of workshops that if your teacher knows how to teach but has never been in a real f- street fight not a combat sport although that's better than nothing then everything they teach may not be working because they have no clue what happens in a street fight. Mm-hmm. This is why having a teacher who is a bouncer, bodyguard in the military, blah, 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 is your best bet. Assuming, of course, that they also know how to teach. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, well, Doc, um, what, would love to hear your thoughts on that. On <laughs> my thoughts on it? Oh, no, let's go Doc first. Yes, yes, yes.
2: Um, I, I think there are too many variables in that. Um, there are plenty of coaches that have never swam a stroke and yet can coach winning teams There, are same thing with football players football coaches right There are coaches that are, are like they you know dads that end up coaching their kids whatever and then they, they end up like as they're coaching learning the strategies and, and studying the game even though they themselves they themselves have never played so to be a student of a particular uh method or to be a student of a particular uh situation or sport doesn't necessarily mean that, that to prove your capabilities, you need to be in there competing. Uh, competition is one particular kind of thing. Street fighting is one particular kind of thing. But to be able to, to impart abilities to another person doesn't require you to necessarily have those abilities. Similarly, you can. there are many instances of people who are great champions or great fighters and are heinous teachers. It's like they themselves may have been knockout king of their, their hood or their, their burrow or whatever. Um, and, you know, see them as far as how they're trying to teach. And it's like they don't know what the hell they're talking about. So uh, there are way too many variables for, for that to be a, uh, I, I'd say, for that to be a legitimate um, assertion.
1: Sure. Yeah, I, I, I think that's really... Uh, really spot on and and unfortunately I think a lot of people are like well if your instructor wasn't a real hardcore fighter down in the trenches you know what can he teach you and exactly what you said there are far too many variables and if you look at for example Customato who is the one who trained Mike Tyson um, and and I think that it's an overly simplistic view of uh, you know what it means to be uh, or or what a good instructor actually entails because um, the skill set to be a good instructor and the skill set to be a good fighter are, are some are most often quite at odds with each other. And um, yes. I think there are certainly great fighters who can teach and who can coach, without a doubt, and great champions and so on. Um, but that's that's not always the case. And in some of the best coaches, um, even in MMA, which is a sport where you really have to prove your mettle. Um, Ferris Sahabi, uh, in in, you know, who's G, who was GSP's coach and still continues to coach a lot of fighters, or even Greg Jackson, who has martial arts. Experience, but so far as I understand, was not um, you know at any kind of high level MMA fighter himself. But these guys are the best coaches because it's about having a mind for the uh, for what you're teaching, and 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 so that's how I look at. What about you, Sean?
0: Well, I agree. Greg Jackson is the perfect example for it, and Cusimano, Mike Tyson. I mean, if you were gonna learn how to box, would you want Customato teaching you a box, or or, or Mike Tyson, who couldn't spell the word box, and if you spotted X <laughs> it's you know you want you want you want The customado and Greg Jackson is the perfect example of a guy who, I'm sure he, you know, mixes it up in his gym and has and spars and things to that effect. But just because he never rolled around in the in the cage in the UFC, you're going to sit there and say he can't, you know, coach UFC fighters would be the dumbest thing in the freaking world. Right now, I think there's this mystique about uh, about bouncers out there. Some people love to advertise that they're bouncers. Listen, I mean, I guess so. Who gives a shit? Uh, but like, if you were gonna, if you were gonna place an importance on this, I think an over importance is placed on military. And I'm not taking anything away from military personnel, <laughs> but if you look at members of our military, their primary function is to shoot you dead. So they're hand-to-hand, they may get some hand-to-hand combat training, but I know my nephew is in Fort in Iraq. And he showed me what he learned in, in Army basic training, and it was really no great shakes. I mean, what they probably learned in the 40s and 50s was much better at hand-to-hand combat than what they learn now because that's not their primary function. Their primary function is to aim a rifle and shoot straight. Sure. You know, it's not, you know, them pulling out a, a bayonet or, or rolling around in the, in the sand with somebody is not something that they're really trained for. So while that may be good experience for the mental game, I, I don't see it as, as, as real experience when it comes to training you how to walk Flatbush Avenue at night in Brooklyn. Right. Now, con- conversely, who I do think, if, if if you were gonna give an edge to two occupations, I would say police officers and corre- mostly corrections officers. You know, you, 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 you talk to a corrections officer, my cousin's a correction officer, works on Riker's Island. They carry well, no firearms, they carry no sticks. They, they have their wits, they have their fists, and, and that's it. And those guys there know how to de-escalate a situation with their mouth, and if shit goes down, they've get into, they'll get into a street fight, a quote-unquote street fight, every fucking day of the week. Just putting a guy in a cell who doesn't want to get in a cell is a matter of learning leverage and and, and, and how to take a guy down and how to, to slip a punch. If you're going to put some sort of... Emphasis on an occupation, then I want to learn from every correction officer in the city, and sure. I would say second best is the cops because the cop, a, a cop also has to deal with people on a one-on-one-on-one basis and ha- and have and has to deal with uh, a physical altercation.
2: Sean, you made a great point about de-escalation, and in fact, um, a lot of the. The guys that I've had the chance to work with who, who are bouncers or who are in protective services have always said that, like, the guys that are most competent in their field are the ones that have never been in a scrap because they didn't need to get into a scrap. They defused the situation or they avoided the situation or they, they somehow spun the situation, you know, whether it's through negotiation, through whatever, so that they didn't have to resort to getting into that situation where it's, it's let's bang.
0: Right. I mean, and you know, when you're going to study with someone and call someone your Sifu, you call someone your teacher, then you, at least for myself, I can't speak for anybody else, but for myself, I, I, I kind of look at the whole person. And if I'm going to, I mean, if I'm going to look at who I want to train with, if I was going to use the logic of, oh, do I want to use a street fighter as my teacher or Alex, who, I don't know if Alex has ever had a street fight in his life, but he's too fucking pretty to have had a street fight. <laughs> I don't want the guy who's on Rikers Island as an inmate. Yeah, maybe he fights every day, but I wouldn't want to sit here and call him my Sifu. I'd, ra- I'd much rather call Alex my Sifu. You know, so there's more to having an instructor than learning than learning the best way of killing a person. Like you know, learning the best you can go to. You know, Dr. Kevorkian, if you really want to kill a guy, right? So it's, you know, there, there's more to it than that. Now, maybe and the mind game is a little bit, you know, there when it comes to, you know, a criminal, you want to tap into that, maybe speak to them or whatever. Well,
1: I, I think also part of the problem is it, it sometimes marginalizes people's reasons for doing martial arts. It always, this kind of thing that you have to learn from a fighter always assumes that everybody wants to be a fighter and get in fights and they need to learn to defend themselves from, you know, only from proper fighters or whatever. And, you know, martial arts are so far reaching in terms of the context in which they were all developed. And, you know, what the reason why somebody would do capoeira is different from why somebody might want to take up Western boxing or somebody else might want to take up Filipino martial arts or whatever and then to kind of constantly throw them in one uh, pot and say, well, you know, you have to learn from this type of person or whatever, I think kind of forgets that, you know, everybody's kind of doing this for their own reasons. And also think about it. It, it, it can't perpetuate itself that way, because if, if it was true that you could only learn how to properly defend yourself from another person who was a fighter, well, then you would learn how to fight from this person because they were a fighter. Does that mean if you never fight, then you could never teach anybody, even though you learned from a proper fighter? You know what I mean? Or now you have to go out and get in street fights and potentially face jail time just to to have the ability to teach the next person or whatever. I mean, I I think that that, that it doesn't really make sense, you know?
2: Tim Larkin actually does a really good job of talking about this. Um, For those of you that aren't familiar with out there um, who are not particularly familiar with Tim Larkin, um, he created a a training method called target focus training. Um, People that have never seen Tim work, have made up some stuff but let me tell you tim uh really understands the difference between social and asocial violence and i think that that difference is super important for most people to to really be clear on like social violence is like two guys getting into an argument over bar and like yelling and screaming over each other just trying to make a scene uh you know puffing out their chest acting like an idiot asocial violence is like you know i'm not going to give you a warning i'm just going to shank you as i walk by you you know that like yeah. you need to understand the difference between the two one can be defused the other you just need to either run like hell or just engage it um and engage it not in a sport context you need to finish that shit so like these kinds of things i think the average person they understand street fight and they, they don't have no clue what the hell they're talking about like a lot of stuff that that is telegraphed meaning verbally or it like looks like harassment or it looks like even just physical posturing you can avoid that shit. like nine times out of ten if you just shut your mouth and just chill with the ego you can avoid that you can avoid that violence but it's the guy that's not telegraphing it's the it's the threat that's that's zeroing in on you like a true predator that's what you need to learn how to
0: fight that's an excellent point. I'll be honest with you; I had never heard that distinction before. And what what kind of
2: products does does he? So does he teach courses? Does he teach classes? What, yeah, what, Tim, what does he Tim do? Tim has live trainings. Um, they're held throughout the the world. Um, he or any of the members of his staff. I believe the website is TargetFocusTraining.com. Uh, don't quote me on that, but do look it up. I believe that's the website. Um, and you know, having trained with Tim personally, uh, and also spent time with him on more than one occasion, not only uh, in a training set situation, but also socially, I can tell you, dude's adept, and he's super frickin' clear. A lot of people want to talk about fighting and combat, but they don't—they don't really understand like what's the mentality behind when you engage and when you do not engage, and when you can avoid, when you do not like avoid. Um, so Tim I think is probably the most gives the most lucid presentation on that of anyone I've ever seen Wow
0: yeah I mean okay. you know if you gonna even think about like uh, some of the most famous instructors in the world I, I can't think I don't think of them as street fighters. I mean look at Guru Dan and Asanto right Mark you've trained with a uh, yes, you're sir. trained with with Guru Dan I've only trained with him in seminars I don't I don't think he puts himself out there as a fighter right I mean I mean I wouldn't want to fight him even at his age now. But like, I don't think at any time he puts himself out there as a tough guy. He's never come across like that way. And when I say tough guy, I, I don't mean someone who's tough. I mean acting like an asshole. Acting like a tough guy. I'm um, a street fighter kind of guy. That's not how. That's not. That's not how Guru Dan p- portrays himself. There's. Guru, uh, there yeah, are guys out there that do portray themselves that way, and I wouldn't want to train with them.
2: Right. Guru's whole thing is like you know this is the art. Let's perpetuate the art. This is the history. Let's perpetuate the history. Like. And how do we use these arts to inspire, improve, help, safeguard, protect? You know, uh, if we're using them to bully, we're, we're fucking up. We're totally missing the point as far as the spirit behind the art. Um, and he himself, if you watch him walk down the street, he's the most quiet, chill, gentle, unassuming guy that you've ever met. Um, if you didn't know exactly who he was, you'd think, just some older Asian guy just kind of walking down the street. You know, no big deal and and uh, you know when you do run into someone that recognizes them immediately it recognizes him immediately there's shocked because it's like oh my god it's sure. Danny but you know any other time and it's like oh what would you like to drink today you know like whatever. <laughs> like, people don't even care like when we go to a restaurant they're just you know hi what do you want you know just like everyone else and he's super soft-spoken super polite super chill um yeah, he's, he's that guy. And I think if if more of us really played uh, to that kind of uh, – what's the right word?
0: Well, it's that self-confidence. Kind of that, that kind of goal. You know, no. I, I think Guru, Guru, Guru Dan, from the little I know about him and the three seminars I spent with him total, he always just – he just reminded me of someone who has uh, a lot of self-confidence. He doesn't have to puff out his chest and, and, and make up his biceps because – he knows what he can do. You know, Alex. It goes back to a little bit to that uh, conversation we had on Samfat. You know, when you have kinfot, when you have the ability to fight, you don't need to act like you know how to fight. You you have that self confidence. And and when I think of great teachers, I I don't. They they have a a way of holding themselves that you you know you know they can hurt you, but they don't act that way. And that's right. who I would look for. Um, when it comes to you know choosing an instructor, I don't need anybody that's going to act tough. I just I just don't give a shit. I'm not going to be impressed. Sure. You know. And now I would want to talk about one thing though. There is a a mindset when it comes to violence that somebody, especially in law enforcement, I think has the most um, experience with in in, in in our day and age. And it may come it may come into play with bouncers and things to that effect as well. I don't know. I honestly have no experience with that at all. Uh, Bouncers and bodyguards, but when it comes to law enforcement, I I know that they face situations um, on a near daily basis, and the first one be de-escalation. But even in the in the realm of violence, um, you know. Doc mentioned about the uh, social. I'm going to screw up the words here, but social aso-so. versus
2: asocial violence. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I remember. I, so Doc, I was an auxiliary police officer for about for about 10 years in New York City, mm-hmm. and um, I probably saw one eighth of what a regular police officer saw. It was a volunteer thing, and I loved it, and I did it to meet girls. But <laughs> <laughs> but it was you know it was well I'm not going to lie, but. Um,
2: If not,
0: why not? Right. And and I learned so much about, I learned a lot about my city, but I learned a lot about myself. And I learned a lot about uh, interactions with other people and and violence. And I, I never forget one experience, if you guys can indulge me for two minutes. I've been doing martial arts of some form since I'm a little kid, you know, and I wrestled all through high school. And um, you know, so I kind of always had a that kind of background. Not not a tough guy, but I always had a little bit of a scrape to myself, you know. And then when I joined the uh, the police department here in New York with the auxiliaries, I eventually uh, started teaching the uh, hand-to-hand self-defense for for the auxiliaries, and I I had I had a you know I had a good uh, grasp of what was going on. And then one time we're working, and I'm working a foot post in Prospect Park in Brooklyn, and um, I'm breaking up a fight, which was mistake number one. I should have let the two assholes kill each other. But I'm breaking up a fight, and while I'm mixing it up with one guy, I get tackled from the side, and I'll never forget it my whole life. I'm laying on my back, and I'm really rolling around with this dude and trying to change punches, and next thing you know, I feel his hands go around my throat. And it dawned on me, this fucking guy's going to kill me. <laughs> like, it wasn't like, it was the first time in my life, and I should say the only time in my life, where I was like, oh my God, like, this guy is actually, like, trying to murder me. <laughs> like, and and it, it did... It did change my perspective a little bit on uh, self-defense at that point. and, and I think um, I think it added an edge to my training at that point there. You know, and and that's why I have so much respect for um, working with law enforcement because I think that that's something that they face that's out of the realm of combat sports and out of the realm of a regular martial artist. But with that being said, I don't I don't think it's a requirement to answer Mr. Aronson's question. I, I don't think it should be a requirement for a guy to be a street fighter or anything to yeah. that effect. Well
1: Absolutely. cool. Well hey, yeah, that was all really interesting stuff. Um, yeah, um, actually I I got a lot out of uh, hearing both of you guys talk about that. That's why I was kind of sitting back a little bit. That was um, really, really impressive. The, Sean, your story was was pretty incredible, and and uh, and Doc, I think it, what, the things that you said were really spot on, and, and it was a really educational moment for me. So I, I thought that was great.
0: Well, I mean, listen, I think I think um, I, I I think personal experience has to play a lot into what we do, you know, and and. Um, I, I, I remember it being, like, a life-changing moment for me, you know. <laughs> Literally, it was almost like I almost got killed. Sure. And, and I remember, like, after it was over and my my, my, my partner saved my, my, saved my rear end, I remember him saying, like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. And, like, I couldn't, like, even talk because my throat was, like, almost closed from this guy trying wow. to kill me. And I remember getting back, getting in the radio car that night and just saying to myself, like, I can't believe, like this dude was really trying to kill me, and it changed. It changed my dis. It changed the way I looked at distance. It changed the way I looked at de-escalation. It changed the way I looked at awareness. It, it really made me change everything I did as a martial artist, except the techniques. Nothing about the techniques that I was going to employ in the fight really changed after that. You know, it was. Everything else around the techniques, you know, spatial awareness, um, intensity, uh, dialogue, everything, everything else that goes along with the martial arts right. changed, but the actual physical techniques that that had you know little change. You know, I mean, if everybody can carry a partner with them to tackle the guy trying to choke you, that'd be
2: fucking
1: awesome. That's that's the best martial arts weapon is always have your partner with you.
2: Yeah, exactly. I tell you law enforcement though. You guys uh, seriously like let's 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 be honest and give the hat tip to law enforcement like having having had the opportunity to work with some uh, not only here in the states but also abroad, the rules that administrations or, ex- or executive branches of government place on law enforcement just to minimize civilian damage. Uh, most people don't realize you're like man we don't fuck the police this that and the other but the reality is that a lot, there, there are a lot of good cops that are trying to do a very dangerous job with very very limiting very very restrictive rules so you know you like the guys the perps they may be facing are trying to take their heads off blow them away cut their throats and they're at best um, a lot of times trying to restrain and control with less than lethal techniques that's a right. hell of a fight that's a hell of a context to be to be in to have to um, master or or control or subdue another human being so you know for folks out there who um, you know I know like let's let's face it I you know uh, I've been on the wrong end of the police before myself uh, in a situation where like I've been you know face down on wet concrete spread eagle and had more than one cop pointing a gun at me um and just simply because it was, it was mista- a situation of mistaken identity um folks it, now more than ever especially with what's going on in, in society do not engage and do not try to escalate the situation with a, with a foul mouth with a shitty attitude with violent maneuvers with a bad attitude like talk your way out of it this is what we're talking about right here as far as social versus asocial violence I know you think your civil rights have been violated. If you think if you think your civil rights have been violated, take that up in court. Right. They, That's what that. the
0: lawyers for.
2: You know, right. this is what the press is for. This is what the lawyers are for. This is what social media is for. But do not engage with with someone right there when they when they've got a weapon right in your face. Like you do not want to be that statistic and you do not want to be the kind of person that that eggs them on. Yes, I understand that there are bad cops out there. But, you know, considering the the situation where you know how many days in a row have we gone now where law enforcement has has sustained losses like there have been cops that have been shot and killed just please 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 if if this if this podcast changes one life or changes one decision making process and one listener just decides to you know what just shut your mouth chill be slightly respectful and not an absolute confrontational like whatever just please think twice and and try and de-escalate the situation, try and reassure the officer, try and be as cooperative as possible. Just
0: it's, it's just it. it's great advice and just and just to um, just keep things a little bit real. Just as right before we went on air tonight in Kansas City another police officer was just killed. God, Sit, sitting in his radio in his radio car, someone walked up and just started shooting him through the window. So Jeez. You know, so again, not to bring everybody down on this thing, but um, then to get back to the the initial question, no. If anybody tells you you need to be a fighter to teach, run away because they're the dumbest motherfucker in the face. Of <laughs> Word. <laughs> <That's>...
1: <laughs> well, I I think I think we, we got that topic down. Why don't we maybe <laughs> switch gears onto something a little bit lighter? Um, Doc. You have a very extensive martial arts background, and I feel ill-qualified to introduce all the amazing martial arts you've, you've done and all the different people you've trained with. you want to maybe let our audience know a little bit about your martial arts background and what Had, you're
0: currently doing?
2: Hashtag don't believe
0: the hype. Um, <laughs> um, that's not what the infomercial said <laughs> <laughs> 976 <laughs> call no, me uh, at beachbody.com
2: there we go yeah um, actually it's funny that Taicheng that Taicheng project was seriously a work of art um, in a lot of ways really a labor of love um, so I'm glad it's out there and it's been cool to, to see how it's been helping people especially on the on the you know, through the facebook page a lot of that feedback comes back to me eventually and so um, to see people really making lifestyle changes and improvements in health um, that's been great uh, to answer alex's question as far as what martial arts i've been involved in um i've been lucky i've been in i've had the chance to learn from a bunch of different teachers um some of my main teachers over the years um, have been uh, Tsutomu Oshima, uh, Shorokan Karate. He was the first guy to um, uh, be teaching publicly in the U.S. As far as I know, Shorokan. He was a direct disciple of uh, the founder uh, Funakoshi Gichin, um, and uh, let's see, he was also the translator of Karate Do Kyohan, which is one of the wow. like the, the canonical books on Shorokan Karate um so i had a chance to train with him uh, briefly while while i was living in caltech um, in pasadena uh, sifu daniel lee um, who was a direct student of bruce lee i had a chance to train with him when he was uh, alive um, i learned the yang style large frame long form from him uh some wing chun uh, and also some jkd uh, chun fun martial arts um, my father was my first teacher um, who started teaching me uh, an offshoot of Zhen Manqing's Tai Chi Quan. Um, wow. Let's see. Uh, since then, I've had a chance to sh- train with a whole bunch of people. Um, my, some of my main teachers are like uh, the late Grandmaster Arthur Lee, Siolam uh, um, Fatka, of course, Guru uh, uh, Dan Inasano, Colonel Natapong Buayam of Kabi Kabong, uh, Professor Roy Harris. Uh, gosh.
0: It's uh, not to cut you off, but Roy Harris to me is the perfect example of a guy who started somewhere and and, and, and exploded just and all on his own hard work and on on his uh, his skill. I mean, from I remember him from years ago just being one of uh, Paul Vunak's uh, PFS guys, mm-hmm. and then he started with the uh, really jumping into the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And just watching him grow and explode as a human being, as a businessman, as a martial artist, man, he is one of the best, most awesome success stories in martial arts. I just, and I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. No, no,
2: no. But actually, he's one of those guys that I think if more people got to spend time with and spend time around and really um, not only experience what he does on a physical level, but also see how he carries himself on a human level, like there would be a lot better. Um, it would raise the level of humanity in the martial arts, for sure.
0: Yeah, so I've never met him, but again, now just the way you're describing him, again, he's a guy who probably doesn't walk around acting like a tough guy. He acts like a gentleman, someone who you'd be honored to call Sifu instead of being afraid of.
2: Again, so soft-spoken, so gentle, that's, and demeanor, that's awesome. like, you know, like one of, you know, he's been over to the house. I forget how many dozen times, and and it's like whenever the kids are there, like he's 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 like their the favorite uncle. So, right, yeah, there you go. Great, great
0: guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry,
1: Alex. Oh, yeah, no, I, um, while we were um, on the topic of um, Doc's uh, Jeet Kune Do training, so uh, the question occasionally comes up, and I think for some Jeet Kune Do practitioners, it, it might be a straightforward question, and for others, it might be a little bit more in depth or philosophical. Um, uh, some people want to know um, what is the difference between chun Fan Fu and Jeet Kune do, whether whether conceptually or or as an art form or whatever. And do you have um do you have a take on that uh, when people ask you what is the difference um, between jeet kundo and junfan Fan Gongfu?
2: Kune Do is more like a philosophy. Chen Fan Fu is a methodology. So there's a there's a particular set of methods, uh, particular particular sets of techniques. Um, that Bruce Lee was teaching at a, you know, t- as part of Chun Fan Kung Fu, which is which is really just a step in the el- evolution uh, in his uh, in his personal evolution um, in Chun. Uh, Judo, there are theories, um, but those theories can be expressed countless ways. Um, and I think one of the things that is most frustrating about JKD is that people want to express themselves the same way Bruce did, but bruce lee kept on telling people to express themselves their way like a way that's the most legitimate for their bodies and their attributes and their personalities um so are there are there methods of exploration that people need to um go through yes i think there are certain methods of exploration i think there are certain theories that people need to uh, understand better to be able to appreciate jkd um but jkd is, is more of a philosophy than it is an exacting set of techniques and and that's that's been the biggest misunderstanding i think a lot of people are are so caught up on the on the label of jkd um, and you know they're still lost in that curricular fine point thing and and i think to have uh, capability in the curricula to have ability in the, te- in, the in certain physical techniques is great but to stop the evolution there is completely wrong.
0: I couldn't agree more. I, I think on the podcast a couple of times, I've mentioned how uh, my instructor, and, uh, Doc, my instructor, was, his name is Steve Golden. He trained in yes. the LA Chinatown School. Mm-hmm. Um, he likes to say that uh, Jeet Kune Do is not a physical system, that it's a, uh, it's a method of using principles. Yes. And so if you look at and how Steve defines it is um, uh, distance, timing, and rhythm, Embraced by the five ways, five ways of attack. But the big, the big goal here is it's it, the the principles of distance, timing, and rhythm. And um, to, to Steve and to me, and that that's how we use Jeet Kune Do. That's how we look at Jeet Kune Do and uh, John Fan Kung Fu or John Fan Jeet Kune Do. However, whatever label the uh, the estate's putting on it this week, um, it's it's how Bruce Lee did it and taught it. And I think so many people get wrapped up and they have to do it the way Bruce Lee did it that it's, it's, it's beyond belief. But again, those are the people that have 1,400 Bruce Lee statues and a yellow and gold tracksuit as well. So there's no reasoning with these people. It's just, you know, I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm like 8,000-fucking-pound fat guy from Brooklyn. I'm not going to be able to do what Bruce Lee did. It's just not going to happen, you know? No, so cool, this is
2: the same thing all the time. I mean, I think there's there's a big disconnect in, in like, the church of Bruce Lee. Like, people, uh, you know, want to canonize certain things rather than people wanting to personalize. And concepts make things personalizable. Like when you take a concept and you can apply it in a way that makes most sense for you or for your particular situation. But if you don't understand the <sighs> concepts and you certainly don't understand your own situation, you're not going to have successful application or you're gonna damage your own body.
0: Uh, very. yeah, that's ac- excellent point, excellent point. I um well that's you know the the canonization the the putting people on an altar just uh, doesn't stop at Bruce Lee you know it it it, it just seems to happen with uh, with everybody you know it's funny except for Alex's students they can't stand them.
1: But um... <laughs> it's just I'm well, sorry, well, you, but you, it's true. It, but you see it in Wing Chun now. You see like Sifu's uh, um, Whether they're Chinese or otherwise, they're starting to kind of fetishize yip man. But they're fetishizing the yip man now from the movies. They're they're wearing the the chang sam, you know, the long style gown or whatever. And then again, it almost be it's it's almost like the accoutrements of doing martial arts. The, oh my the gosh, looks. you
0: got to use the it, word accoutrements. You have to say in chang whatever the fuck you said. Uh, <laughs> (laughs) okay I'll I'll put it to you the the, uh,
1: the accessories of martial arts uh, sometimes become (laughs) become more important than, than the heart and soul of it like you know look Grandmaster Yitman was absolutely an original as a human being, as a martial artist, as an innovator. Bruce Lee was an original, 100%. Guru Dan is an indi- is an individual and an original, and everybody seems to not take those examples of originality and and owning it and 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 you know i mean if you think about in guru dan's situation i mean imagine if anybody else was you know bruce lee certified you know a finite number of instructors to teach jee kendo and then he passes away very young can you can you imagine what would have happened if, if somebody of a totally different character other than, 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 you know, for example, in Guru Dan's case, was like the last guy who Bruce Lee had certified or whatever, and what they would have been able to do in terms of marketing uh, Bruce Lee and that, and, and and had gone kind of that other route where, you know, they have chains of Cheek do schools where the, the uniform is to wear the, the JKD track, the the, the yellow tracksuit from Game of Death, and, you know, if you think about it, for, for Guru Dan to say, hey, you know, what this is this is the path that I really feels the right way to go with it and to stand there on his own merits I think it's unbelievably commendable because uh, I think many other people put in his exact shoes after Bruce Lee had passed away would have done something extremely horrific and um, I know I would have yeah, you know and 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 there <laughs> would be a JKD
0: a, school on every freaking corner yeah. in New York City <laughs> You know, I mean, not everyone
1: is going to agree with you. And you take a lot of heat being in that kind of position. And, and I can't even imagine what that must be like. And I don't know um, what your thoughts are, are on that, Doc. Um,
2: Dude, you know, let me tell you. I can tell you some stories. I mean, he's taken over 40 years of heat for something he never asked for. Right. Um, you know, when Sigung Bruce passed away, he didn't – Guru didn't want to teach. I mean, he, he – you know, he – he opened up a school and called it the Filipino Kali Academy. He wasn't—he right. you know, wasn't all about to ride the coattails of JKD. Um, and the only reason that he started taking the helm was because his juniors were saying, "Hey, man, you know there are people out there that are teaching a karate down block and, and reverse punch in it in wearing a gi and calling it and advertising it as JKD. Um, and if you don't say something, then these people are going to go unchecked. And so." Um, only because of that. Um, and, and, you know, the encouragement of his, his juniors uh, did Guru come out and just go, okay, look, let's just set the record straight. This is what it is. But, I mean, when, when you're a guy that doesn't want to be in that position and you're also um, having to deal with a philosophy that the majority of people that, that read it, that see it, that study it, Still don't understand it and and have the balls to argue with you. It's a very 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 tough situation. Sure.
0: Yeah. Oh and, yeah. I mean, uh, if you look at I think one of the worst things to happen in Jeet Kune Do, it's like probably the worst thing and the best thing at the same time, was to have the Tao Jeet Kune Do come out, because people looked at the notes and and said, oh look, here's Bruce Lee looking at whatever art was mentioned in the book, and, and run out and and train in that art when it could have been mostly rich wrote that down to say, Wow, look how fucking bad this shit is. Like, you know, they they, they don't know. And I think that that, that book became this, um this there's guys I know that literally teach out of the Taoji Do and out of the fighting method books. They they literally teach out of it. And it's 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 scary. And I think that was the like it's almost like the worst thing and the best thing in that it helped keep the name going and things to that effect. But you can't even go into a JKD um, uh, Facebook group. I, I run a G Do Facebook group, right? Don't join. It sucks. It's 7,000 people and it's 6,999 of them don't know a fucking thing. And 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 it's every, but every one of them can quote the G Kune Do. And and it's it, tough, man. It's, it is it's really
2: tough. There, there's, you know, Guru Dan Inasano talks about this all the time. He says, you know, like there's, this, there's an argument among JKD people saying that, you know, Bruce never, you know, Bruce never did, you know, was talking about C Lot and this, that, and the other. And what most people don't realize is, oh, yeah, you know, the C Lot stuff that Inasano is doing has nothing to do with JKD. Who gave Inasano his first book on C Lot? Bruce Lee. So for those people that are talking all this stuff about like, oh, there's no savatin, there's no savatin G Do. like really, did you even bother to open the Dow? Did you even bother to do your historical research? Like, Bruce was borrowing techniques from just about anywhere he thought he could find something that was relevant. Um, and and trying to contextualize it within combat. So there were certain things that he didn't like, but there were a lot of things even in the same system that he thought were super relevant. So I I think that's that that kind of open-mindedness that kind of broad-mindedness that kind of that kind of ability to contextualize is super important but also super rare a lot of people are going to have to just just take an art a whole art part and parcel and go good or bad no right. dude it's it's way more complicated than that And, right, and
0: I, i'm sorry go ahead no no go, go ahead oh, please go um, i was going to yeah. say was what I, I think one of the problems is that it's a thinking man's art, and people want it to be. Well, two problems. It's a thinking man's art, and everybody thinks they're a thinking man. And we both we know most most of the population are morons and 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 well good good come on mark's going like this you've got his head going back and forth (laughs) i'm sorry most people are assholes okay so (laughs) no but like it's it's a thinking man's art and people don't want to think things through they want a set curriculum because they want to learn it the way they learned taekwondo when they were six and 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 they don't want to think things through and then when they go go to think things through they unless they can find somewhere Bruce Lee saying it, it's not, it's not relevant. Like, so I, I, so Mark, I, I teach Shay Katie, and Wing Chun. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a lot of students because I'm really not that good. But it's, um, I got to stop saying that now that I want to teach, right? So, no, but like, so one of the most frustrating things to me is like, I'll show something, Mm-hmm. And I'll get the question, oh, did you learn that from Steve Golden, my g Kune instructor, or did you learn that from Tom Kagan, my Wing Chung instructor? And I'm like, well, at first I didn't know how to answer that question because maybe I didn't learn it from either one of them. It's just something. I'm sitting here doing the form for the eighth million time. and said, hey, you know what? That, oh, that makes sense. I can do this, you know. And I, and, I, and I realized that I was thinking about shit that other guys weren't. They just wanted to know where it came from. So I finally learned to answer the question, I learned it because of Steve Golden and Tom Kagan. You know, that's just the easiest thing. It's, right, you know, I learned it because of them, because they taught me how to think. And I think that's what Jeet Kune Do does that most people don't get, is that it teaches you how to think in a martial way. You know, when I look at other arts, and I'm the furthest from an expert in other arts, when I look at another art, I like I like to look at the way they Control the distance and break the rhythm. That's what catches my eye. And like, I mean, you probably never listened to the podcast before, but I always like to use uh, sports analogies because I think athletes have the best understanding of G Kano. bar fucking none better than most martial artists. Like, you look at like, like a, you know, a quarterback or a guy who plays basketball. Man, they can break the rhythm. They know about creating space and yep. distance. These guys can manipulate timing. You know, this, to me, that's the beauty in the art of G. Kune Do. That's, that's, that's why I say when it's, when it's a thinking man's art. You know, when you tell people, like, simple, direct, and non-classical, and some schmuck tells them, oh, yeah, non-classical, it uh, means that Bruce Lee didn't wear karate gis. Give me a fucking break. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, Bruce Lee didn't wear karate gis. First of all, whether he did or not, who gives a shit? And, and two, it, you know, it, not, Bruce Lee was a philosophy major. Non-classical was, you know, broken rhythm it Was non-classical rhythms it's, it's, it's on a so much higher level than, than people want to give thought to And then the second you say Oh, well, no, if you give some thought to it They're like, oh, you think too much You gotta, you know You gotta get, get in the water and get wet
2: so it's just the glamorization of the anti-intel- anti-intellectual.
0: Well, I mean, look, yep. I didn't know we were yeah. going to talk about politics. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just a world problem. Politics not, You know, like, yeah,
2: uh, I think what we've got going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and us uh, also also find it a problem in Wing Chun too, because uh, essentially what we're trying to do in Wing Chun is get people to follow uh, principles, and the you know it's it's understandable where beginners need guidance. You need to give them some technical responses, perhaps even some things that are a little bit canned or a little bit rote, because well they don't have anything. They have they have to start with something, but at some point there there's a transition there there or there should be. There should be an ownership of you know whether it's the techniques at the beginning or or the principles and concepts a little bit later on there has to be an ownership from the individual of of their art and you'll find some people are on a natural path to that some people have to be guided towards that and some people will never get to that no matter how hard you try and i think that you see those three types in martial arts even at well, I'm going to say at, at a high level, teaching and promoting them. You have some people who are looking at it purely from a uh, technical perspective, like uh, my Sigong Leung Ting used to always call those guys technique collectors. Um, and then you have some people who are clearly clearly on the path to get there. And then you have some people who really understand that you know, martial arts are an expression, and you have to own it, and, and it doesn't matter if, if you know a few techniques. It, it has to become part of you, and, and you can you can find this in different arts as well. Um, but yeah, I think that this is a uh, a universal problem in, in terms of of, of the, the varying degrees of ownership to to the deeper principles involved in martial arts compared to just the superficial uh, accessories. Sean.
0: Right. Thank you. more uh, <laughs> I mean, It's bad enough right now. I'm there's three men on this podcast and I'm, and two of you can say all the Asian words you want to and I can barely get through <laughs> the English words. Do so you understand
2: the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> but
1: by the way, if you don't know, uh, Doc is also uh, a contributing editor to uh, Black Belt Magazine, and uh, um, it has wrote the Donnie Yen um, the the Donnie Yen cover interview that was yours, wasn't it, Doc?
2: Yeah, that was uh, that was a long time in the making. I think, as you know, as you will know, Alex, I've been trying. I've been spending like the past ten years trying to track down Donnie and yeah, I was part of that
1: part of that journey too, trying to help you. you Yeah.
2: Um. And you know, I I probably I you know everyone that I know of that that, or everyone that I knew personally or interacted with personally that I knew um, had an end to Donnie. I was I was hitting up whether you know, um, trying to get a hold of him through Bay Logan through you. Uh, Kung Lee, uh, who's a friend of mine, um, you know, just, yeah, yeah, every time I reached out to Donnie through whatever way, it just turned out like, you know, crickets. And right. so um, when If 3 was released, um, the studio that was, was uh, distributing it here in the States, uh, you know, contacted Black Belt and said, like, hey, do you want to do a, a thing with Donnie? And it was like, my, my boss, Robert Young, the executive editor, shot me an email and said like, hey doc do you want to go uh you want to go interview your boy finally and i'm like what and so <laughs> um you know i go all right cool where when what and he goes okay you've got 20 minutes with him and i'm like holy shit <laughs> wow. um you know because that's that's what he, that's the time allotment for you know the the media you know like he by the time i got to him at like three that afternoon he'd been in like those 20 minute sessions probably since like eight 8:30 like wow. non-stop. So Donnie was already tired by that time and then you know he still had the premiere later that night. So um in that context now that I think about it, th- those 20 minutes, 20 25 minutes was like um it, they were golden. I mean, it was great to have that. Uh, but yeah, that, wow, what a what a what an experience.
1: And you, you also know, had the chance just to, to speak to uh to Lomong the toad from Five Deadly Venoms. In fact, we were discussing earlier in the car today something interesting he said about martial arts training what it should be doing to you did you want to maybe say something about that
2: yeah you know it's funny like he made a he made a point that my shuai jiao master david lin um, made a a long time ago um and and lomong was saying that you know if you're training martial arts and it doesn't feed a healthier body it doesn't feed your long-term health then why are you training what are you training and and like man that just blew my mind You know in a lot of systems people try and get past the stuff that's that doesn't look overtly combat oriented because they want to get to the quote-unquote good stuff well you know how many of us that study martial arts actually need to use the fighting techniques on a daily basis probably not many of us Um, how many of us that practice martial arts need to be able to move without pain and be healthy on a daily basis I would say every freaking one of us yeah so you know, when you look at, at systems like, let's say, Shrigel, where there's uh, yogic practices, like we have we have like 16 postures that we do, plus empty hand forms, plus strength training stuff, plus all of the throwing and sparring and other stuff. A lot of people want to go to the throwing and sparring and other stuff, the combat. Um, and they want to gloss over the, the stuff that, that is prerequisite to that. Well, what if the prerequisite stuff not only prepared your body to be able to do the combat stuff better but it also fed a healthier body for everyday life you know this is the, one of the things that Guru Dan and Asano has said many times he goes you know the, the hardest fight you will ever have to fight is against old age wow, <laughs> let yeah. that marinate on the brain for a while Good the hardest trying to win fight that you ever have to fight is to, is to win the fight for your own longevity wow
1: and yeah. uh uh, by the way, um, as as you most likely know, Doc uh, Sean is is also on on his own path to improve his health and and whatnot.
0: Congratulations
2: and, for that, brother. Big thanks, congratulations man. for that. Yeah, and I'm down. Man,
0: I'm down about 120 pounds right now, and uh, you know, still got a long way to go.
1: I was wondering, Doc, too, because, you know, whenever whenever I need advice, and Doc is also, um, was, was the one who tur- turned me on to uh, kettlebells and also doing um, prehab uh, movements to make sure, you know, with my heavy training load that I'm keeping myself in, in, in good working order. Um, uh, I know it, it's kind of difficult to give any kind of advice, especially when you don't see someone face to face or whatever, but, um, you know, for the things that Sean is working on, uh, mainly you know losing weight and getting back in, into into fighting shape, uh, do you have any kind of let's say more general advice? Um, obviously, because you haven't had a chance to see him face to face.
2: Sure. Um, focus on fundamentals, and when I say fundamentals, I don't mean necessarily fundamental lifts. I mean the fundamentals of movement. So you need to be able to move through ranges of motion, like. Preserve your, your, what a lot of people will call flexibility. I'll say preserve and actively train to improve your mobility. So your ranges of motion should improve, not just the pounds on on your on the lift. So like if you're looking for where the pin is on the machine, <laughs> ignore that shit. Focus on like, do, if, am I able to move through greater ranges of motion with ease and with power? If you can say yes to that, you're, you're on the right path. Uh, if you can go longer without pain, better. Like, look for range of motion, like pain-free range of motion. That That is the most neglected fundamental, I think, in so much of, of quote-unquote fitness um, and health, because people are looking for, I want to do this longer, I want to do this harder, I want to do this with bigger loads. Fuck all that. Focus on the fundamentals, which are pain-free range of motion.
0: That's, that's spot-on, awesome advice. I uh, And I really appreciate that and take it to heart, because... Um, so, like, Doc, so you don't know me at all, but, like, um, before I started, I was at, like, the worst physical conditioning a a human being can be and still have a job. You know, it was like I would go to work and I would come home and I got off the couch to pee. Like, that was it, you know? Um, I would get winded walking from the couch to the kitchen. And I did, that was the one trip I took a lot. But, um now that you know when i when I hired the personal trainer and the nutritionist, uh, one of the things that my trainer said to me when he first started was that uh, he wanted me to st- not look at the guys doing the power lifting and all this other stuff and he wanted me to concentrate being able to step up on a curb without tripping you know that well, I, I you know like and it just made so much sense because I walked into the gym and I'm not gonna lie you know I don't intimidate easy but you look at you know you look at all the weights and shit and you look at all the, the body beautifuls and you just say, "Man, I am never going to look like that. I am never." And you know, my, my trainer who's this this awesome guy, he said to me like, "You know, we need to not have you worrying about any of that crap. We need to have you worrying that you can walk up a flight of stairs without being winded. You can step up on a curb without falling. You know, you can you won't need a handrail to go down the stairs." This, you know, this idea of not functional strength just to to be able to function as a normal human being should be able to function that that became that became my goal now do i still have any lofty goals yeah i have i have things in the back of my head that i won't give up on because i've always i've always wanted to do certain things and i'm I'm going to do them but um life has been so much better for me and that to me is the biggest indicator of my overall health and 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 mindset is just being able to to move to be annoying to my kids to 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 function at my job you know like you know, to piss off my wife, things like this thing. These are just important things. Instead of just being a lump on a fucking couch, I want to be a functional human. Right? Exactly. I have teenagers, and I want to piss them off periodically. You know, <laughs> so it's just, and and you can't really do that from the couch. You know, so I, I really just feel like I, uh, I, I'm I'm more functional now, and 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 I still obviously still have a long way to go, but. Um, but you know things are coming along, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm I've never been happier. And and, and just what you were saying, it just it, it just sounded like the the the, uh, the conversation I had with my trainer when I first started. You know, he was like he goes, I don't want you worrying about. I don't want you worrying about the, the the number on the scale. I want you to worry about being able to live a better life. I want you to, if if you concentrate on being able to get through the drills that we're doing the scale will move and and of course eating healthy eating eating any proper proper diet but um uh, so this was the first time i didn't have my primary focus as the scale right now you know i, I have
2: check this out you'll love this go ahead a Brian. lot of people don't realize that one of the dirt little secrets of the fitness industry is that people will do whatever to get the scale to move and end up trashing their bodies for the rest of their lives now if your priorities are in the right place you will understand that fitness means that you work well the body works well fit means it's it's suitable it's usable it's it's applicable it's relevant so if you're only good in a cosmetic sense for a very short window of time and you're fucked up for the rest of the time that should not have anything to do with anyone's conception of fitness. That's a lie. That's a sham. That is debility and, and it, there's nothing genuine about it. It shouldn't be anyone's goal. If your body functions well and then you enjoy functioning well and you can do it in a way that your your movement is actually sculpting your body, then you're doing it right. That should be the goal. Right. The six-pack is a byproduct, not the goal.
0: Right. That That's... I mean that's spot on. It's a, for me the thought, the, the thought, the, the change in thought process for me was it wasn't do what I'm doing to lose weight. It was do what I'm doing to enjoy what I'm doing, and the byproduct of doing this will be losing weight. That I had to get you know greater yes. balance, greater flexibility, my my uh, greater cardiovascular endurance, more functional strength, and and in do, doing all of that. The scale will move. Like if I, you know, like like someone said to me, if you really want to really lose weight, and if your fun, your only goal is to see the numbers go down, well, go on chemotherapy. You know, if you go on chemotherapy, you you'll you'll weigh 108 108 pounds in uh in in a, in a few months, and, and then you'll be dead. You know, it's you need to be functional. You need to be able to do things, and um, you know, and and this Saturday, um, it's a big thing for me going to Alex's school. Because uh, you know we had we had a seminar there last year and I I didn't go and one of the reasons I didn't go is because Alex put his school on the 17th floor of a building <laughs>
2: yeah. and
0: it has no elevator. I've yeah, my yeah.
2: luggage lug up fucking floors. Let me tell you, more than one time I visited him and had to lug a fucking big ass bag or suitcase and some bullshit up there. So I, I feel you, brother.
0: <laughs> so I'm going. I'm I'm gonna go Saturday and it's gonna take me 20 minutes to get up those stairs, but I'm gonna do it. You know. And you uh, and better have a fucking air conditioner on when I get up there. And if you don't have one, you better buy one. Because <laughs> then you're going to have to carry me down, brother. But, uh, <laughs> going down is much easier, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, just, just, I'm fat. You just roll me. You just like shove me. Give me, <laughs> give me one hard shove on the fourth floor, and I'll just keep on rolling down to the floor. But no, I'm, I'm no, very excited longer. about Here's Saturday. Another
2: tip for you. Here's another tip for you that I think is going to be really cool. Every step you take up those flights of steps you want to know what's what's really amazing about those flights of steps up to his school is that every step is a chance to remind yourself or to test yourself can i hold on to posture Hmm. and when you when you focus in on the posture each step becomes a chance to train and develop that and instead of like fuck every one of these steps then it becomes like oh okay oh okay oh okay oh there i got it there i got it there i got it and then instead of a like like a like an onerous task it becomes something like, okay, this is something that I can use as a training opportunity that will actually help my body function and feel better.
0: Right, right. Yeah, my I knew my thought process probably going in was with each step I was going to just be, fuck Alex, fuck Alex. <laughs> you know, with each step, you know, but uh, I, I I I guess I do have to think. But I keep my thought process going straight and make it functional training, huh? I'm uh... very,
1: very excited about Saturday. The fact that you're coming to the school is a really big deal. It's a huge honor for me to finally have you in there Uh, and and for the students to come and then, you know, watch us do our thing live. I think it's going to be great. And I know what a big uh, milestone it's going to be for you to – to get up there, and we'll make sure we have the AC running for you up there.
0: Outstanding! Yeah, I can't we're wait. I'm not really sure excited. to be tuned in from Portland.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Doc will be in Portland, and uh, yeah, so we'll make sure everybody's listening, uh, listening in on it. Uh, by the way, um, what what time is it again, Sean? For our, for
0: I, our I'm fans thinking up there of on you Saturday. said you, you said your class ends at three, correct? Yeah. So I was so thinking we're gonna start at four. Yeah, right? I think if we start at four, if we have people get there around three thirty. And you sure. know, say hello to people, and you know, you know, everybody's gonna want my autograph, Alex. So of course, of <laughs> course,
1: my students, they all want to meet you. Uh, well, and it's also four p.m. Eastern Standard Times. Uh, so uh, for our friends on the uh, for our friends on, on the uh, West
0: Coast, they're gonna have to tune in at uh, at one, right? Right. So. Right. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I've I've never been I've never been in a real kung fu school. No, really, <laughs> I'm like, but not one as cool as yours,
1: Alex. Yeah, my school's pretty cool. It's kind of a little piece of old school Hong Kong in the middle of Midtown. It's uh, it's uh, definitely something a, a little bit different than all the things around it.
0: I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to it. it's gonna be a lot of fun cool and, uh,
1: well hey this was a lot of fun today uh doc thank you so much uh for two and our dudes of kung fu podcast and and dropping uh, those amazing uh stories and and knowledge and advice uh, it's really uh I, I i love listening to you speak and i and i always try to make some kind of opportunity for me to just sit and, and hear you do your things you're absolutely
2: genius Hardly. Thank you guys for the opportunity to be on the podcast. Um, Sean, great to uh, connect with you and looking forward to doing that in person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, uh, Alex, thank you. Did, do you make thank it you to New so York much. or? Um, yeah, I do. I'm to New York sometimes. almost every year. Oh, I'm looking forward to meeting you, brother. That's really yeah, and cool. hopefully,
1: uh, right. I'm trying to I'm trying to convince Doc to come to uh, my 15 year anniversary uh, next
2: year. Hopefully, he can make it. Uh, oh
0: yeah, that'd be him. cool. I'll be sexy as fuck by then. You'll want to see me then. I'm gonna wear a tank top and shorts.
2: I'll bring a stack of ones.
0: There you go. There you go. You're gonna want to do that anyway. You know. <laughs>
2: Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> All
0: right, gentlemen. Great talking to you. And uh, we, we'll... Alex. I'll see you on Saturday. See you Saturday, brother, back in New York. All right, Bye. man, take care. Thank you so much. Be good, guys. Bye-bye. Thank Bye-bye. you all. Bye-bye.